Hello, everybody. Welcome to the world of words. We are interviewing Mabotle Mapika today. She is working at Rilotodi Polytechnic. I studied with her in Ireland, and before that, she studied in Cuba, hence the title of our episode today, which is Groomed in Socialism and Living in a Democracy. Yes, she is currently living in our young democracy, which is Lesotho currently. And this is the second episode of A Different Kind of Homecoming, which is the title of our first season on the podcast here with the World of Words. Um, Mabutle, welcome to today's episode. How are you? I'm fine in Utah, though. Thank you for uh, inviting me to your podcast. Um, I studied with you, remember, in 2019-2020 in Ireland. And then, okay, from there, I'm just from Cuba. I stayed in Cuba from 2009 to 2015. Currently, I'm at Lower Polytechnic in Water and Environmental Engineering. Okay. Um, and, and since you've been back, how, how have you managed to settle back in? Has it, has it been a bit of a difficult transition or you right back into work and did everything just flow smoothly from then on? You know, uh, coming back from Ireland, I thought um, I would settle in very easily when I came here in Lesotho because it was only one year. But I think because of COVID-19 or maybe uh, two different worlds, two different worlds, so it was kind of um, a difficult time to come in, but uh, at work it was okay. Everyone welcomed me well and even at home, but I found things that have changed a lot due, due to, to COVID-19. And speaking of changes and COVID-19 and coming back, decisioning, uh, having a bit of a difficult time with that. Um, when we were in Ireland, you had the unfortunate experience um, of having to having to come back to Dublin and, and, and that for somebody, for somebody who time, everything in the world was uncertain. Um, it was definitely frightening. It was also new know what it would bring mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how did you find that experience the, the fear of being almost lost how how, how did that <laughs> how did that <laughs> yeah i get you um the i had our pleasure to come back home really like everyone who was abroad wanted to be with their families so I worked very hard to try to find the first flight which can which could uh, bring me here, even if it, it was a reputation flight. But then it got me so uh, difficult that I had to pass through um, difficult situations like in Heathrow, London, where I had to be investigated about uh, my flight because I'm from Lesotho and you know that Lesotho and South Africa, it has some kind of only go to South Africa and listen to the taxi and there's no bookings and anything. 
we are kind of like mm. a family, but outside the world, Lesotho and South Africa, there are two different countries which are independent and they want clear things which are written and uh, clear to any international person. But it got me frustrated. I got frustrated, it got me depressed. I thought, yeah, the world is ending and then I have to go back. I had to go back to Dublin. <sighs> I, when I yeah, think about that moment, I still can't believe that I, I got back home safely. But so finally, much. when I got my flight back to Lesotho, it was a, it was a smooth flight, although we had to take, uh, connect with various flights and taxis to Lesotho. Uh, a bit uh, difficult and tiring. Mm. Um, thank you so much for sharing that, that experience. And we're so sorry for all the memories that it conjures up and i think it's very very important that we speak about these things because um where we are right now we assume that you can just travel to a neighboring embassy and seek help and in this case you were taking a repatriation flight you had to go to the embassy of south africa and unfortunately you get to heathrow and all your papers are not in order you have to go back to dublin and during that time i can imagine how how traumatic that experience might have been and and thank you for sharing and i i would like to say to all our listeners that when when traveling to a different country and perhaps you're looking into where's my embassy how can they help me what do i have to do especially when connecting flights um come through different countries um especially in times of covid flights were scarce so what ultimately had to happen is connecting from this country to this country to this country which was actually quite a quite a tiresome and very um, um, experience that made you very anxious. And, um, uh, but, but now we'd like, to, we'd like to move on a bit to your experience um, as a young lady at around, very, very young, late teens, um, moving on to Cuba. What can you tell us about that? It was quite, uh, it was quite a, an interesting journey in Cuba when I got there. I was young but at that age i thought maybe one would say you are mature enough to to survive anything but i was young to i was 19 18 years old when i got to cuba and learning spanish at that age which is a different language and it's most different from english it's not uh it's not like saying spanish it's more close to french so if you are from english speaking country it's difficult for you to grasp how they formulate their sentences. So uh, it was difficult, but we had to learn it because there was no other way where you go to the shops, everywhere in the taxis, everything was in Spanish. So I had to learn it. But otherwise, um, the, the shyness of always having it to get it wrong, trying to get it correct, trying to perfectionate it, it was always a struggle, but um, through practicing, it's, it's, it's more of uh, communication. So we're told that it's more of communication once you get what you are being um, told, then it will be easy. The good thing mm. about, uh, or the funny part about learning the new language is that the first thing is be able to hear people what they're saying but you won't be able to respond back. You would know yeah. what I'm trying to say. 
And then, how do you respond? I'm like, what is your name, Tati? You know, that's like, you are trying to ask me what's your name. And then you don't know how to say my name is Tato. And it's like, oh God, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. It's difficult more than the mathematics, the science, everything that you, you can even think about. But it was, it was a good journey. My experience, the funniest thing that I remember that I always tell people is that this other time I went to a kiosk to buy some snacks and then it was written on it and the paint is still wet. It was in Spanish. Uh, please be careful. So I couldn't read. I couldn't know what is it written. Then I leaned on the, on the counter. I was painted all over my <laughs> my my clothes <laughs> and that's how I got to learn that you know you have to learn everything because otherwise you find yourself in another province not even knowing where where you are so keeping up with with your with your Spanish um even after you've left Cuba how easy has that been because I remember one of our first nights out in Dublin you and I we to a couple of clubs and then yeah. heaven, and then you met some people that were from Spain and they were speaking in yeah. Spanish. And you're like, oh, I'm gonna be talking and to I this <laughs> So before before such incidences where you are back into an international community and you're just here in a sort of how easy was it for you to keep up with your Spanish and keep practicing? You know, I took, it took me, I was in Cuba for six years and I never came home for those six years. So Spanish, when I got here, it was uh, almost like my first language. I remember even when I got to Logotoni Polytechnique, my first class, I used the projector and then out of the sudden, I started speaking in Spanish. Then I saw students um, changing their faces. Then I realized, oh, my, I, my work. I've changed the language. So oh. it's something that is embedded in you. I don't know how, maybe when I'm now 50, 60 years to come, maybe I will have forgotten. But it's, it's something that uh, it never went. It's, it's, it's difficult for me to say I'll forget Spanish because I spoke it for 365 mm-hmm. days for a time is six years. So it was a daily break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Moving along uh, in your educational journey, um, when you time to go now to do your postgrad in Ireland, did you have the same kind of it's because like you were 18, 19 when you left home for Cuba. Now yes. you are more mature adult um, going to True. Ireland. Did you have any kind of separation anxiety or was it still the same? The the funny part is that I thought uh, it's the funny part about life. You always think you you have now that you have experienced some certain problem once in your life, any problem you always uh, you are now used to it. That's how life is. It's that's not how life is. I thought I've been in Cuba for six years, so going to Ireland, it's okay. And now it's even um, uh, in terms of internet. We can Skype, we can talk through video, WhatsApp, everything. So I thought everything's going to be smooth. Little did I know that I was going to be depressed more than when I was in 
when I was in Chiba. I remember I used to talk to you guys every time. I didn't even understand why did that I'm here. I didn't even understand why did why did that we had to be separated. I was in Dublin, you were in Galway. I wanted people that were of my same kind, although Europe is um it's a diverse area unlike Cuba, whereby there are Cubans and only you uh, people who came for scholarships. So Ireland is it was um a diverse area. But I found it hard about the 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 environment, maybe because it's capitalist and I was used to the socialism. And then I came here, even though the city is capitalist, we are more social than a real capitalist country. <laughs> so it got me so hard to adapt. I didn't think it would take me that bad. And I know, I know exactly, know exactly because when I was in Ireland as well, I, I thought it was absolutely very, very imperative to have who look like you, who speak like you, who understand yeah. your background where you come from because it helps balance your sanity in quite a in quite a magnificent way. Yeah. Mm. And you um, remember I even bought a ticket, sorry. You remember I even bought the ticket uh, a day before I could just for tomorrow in December holiday because I couldn't I couldn't locate myself in that country. Not that it's bad, but I felt like I need the the Southern African mood, you understand? The the, the festive mood. Although when I went to Ireland, I was like, oh, I'm now going to experience the white Christmas, but it's not how it appears in books or how we, we, feel, we, we see it. That, that, that is true. And speaking Yes, in December, you actually did book yourself a flight. You came, you came home for the Christmas holidays. And, um, and not even planned. Pardon? It wasn't even planned. Yes, quite spur of the moment. Um, do you feel like um, going away, because as an adult, you've lived in three different countries. Do you feel mm. that your connection to people and building friendships or relationships or any kind of relationship do you feel like the fact that you traumatized to so many different environments in your adult life, do you think perhaps that could impact connect with with people or has it made it hard or easier hey tato i think um this uh, question is so touching because uh, how do I explain it? I feel like my life has, there was a break at one time in my life from 19 years, 18 years to uh, last year maybe that I didn't know how to, con there was a moment that I wasn't living whom I was, so I have to connect ever since from 2009, and then now, because most of the things I thought I was related to, them here at home, how people uh, behave, you know, wherever you be, our, our characters are built on where you, 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 you grew up. So I would say I grew up in, I've always, I grew up in an international country in Cuba, also in Ireland. So some of, the, some of the other things maybe 
funerals, how people take care of others that are so distant to me, and friends. I didn't see them getting married, I didn't see them graduating, I didn't see my brother, for instance, for family members, I didn't see my family, uh, my brother growing up, I see him now in his teens, yet I, um, I left him while he was in his adolescent stage, like less than 10. I found him now in uh, quite um, difficult for me to connect, to try to connect and trying to understand how was uh, how did you grow up with your with your girlfriends? How did you connect? And maybe also people who died while I was away, as if I would see them coming up again. It's kind of difficult, but I think from last year. I'm trying to adapt to the that I'm now back home. I can understand my brain is back to how I grew up uh, since I was born. Oh my God, you, that that is actually such such a such a perspective which which people also neglect to to think about because you know when you leave everybody and uh, when you come back, like why did oh. you come back? And that sense Why of belonging, it's not there. You know? And then when you do come back now, like you're saying, um, people are married, people have graduated, some people have died, and you're just there <laughs> in, a, in a bit of some limbo. Yeah, in limbo. In, and you know when you people for a long time and you move on, you know, life's change. They make new friends and people change it. And you, you, you come back and they're not the person you left behind. Yeah, that, that is absolutely and, 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 the, and, the, and the worst part about, sorry, and the worst part about going abroad is that we have that mentality that you are going and then you are going to return. You don't, you don't feel like you are also progressing on your other side of life. That is, I could have also been married to any other person then, then get on with my life. So the only thing was, the, the only thing which was always uh, one, when I go, get back home, I'll do this. When I get back home, I'll do this. And then when you get back home, people, those people whom you think you'll be doing this with them, they are no more there. They are now at the other stage. They are like, oh, God. Right. Now, where do you start? How, how do you connect with people? The jokes, things that you think. Or maybe mm. even how you relate in social clubs. You, you, you really don't. You really don't get it. Have you any kind of difficulty when you're relaying your life stories and you say something like, oh, when I was in Cuba or oh, in Ireland, and then who think, oh, oh, this one, she's starting to brag. You, I found, I found that, yet, um, that I found that very, yeah, and I found that very annoying to my side and it's, uh, it, it, it is, bad because it's not like I want to break, but the only reference that I have is when I was in Cuba. For instance, the only reference that you have when you talk about when you are 18 years old, you find yourself, where was I when I was 18 years old? If you're in the National University of Minnesota, that's when you'll be able to say, oh, when we used to go to this club, then that's the only reference that I have. I, I didn't even come home for, for the six years. So those are the things that I have in mind. I can't even say 
even the example that I give, it's based on what the experience that I had uh, that time when I was there. Mm, absolutely. Mm. So with, with that in mind, do you reckon that it could be a possibility for you to find yourself for three or four more years outside of Lesotho pursuing your, your doctorate, a PhD study, um, improving further on your academic studies? Um, is it a possibility that you could find yourself back in North America or back in Europe? Or would you be looking to the US? Uh, would you be looking to Australia or Asia? Or are you at a point in time where you feel like perhaps there's so much disconnect between who you are? as a Mosoto and therefore wanting to get it all back and reaffirm yourself in your Bosotoness, um, if I should say that? Or have you actually just been looking around and saying, okay, it's a possibility I might just move on and pursue my studies outside of Lesotho again? Life is dynamic. So I cannot really say I cannot i can't see myself there but as for now i find that i've been outside uh, my home area for the longest time so it's better for me to get my roots back and then why i'm settled then i'll know uh, for sure uh, what is it that i really want but not anytime soon i remember one friend of mine was telling me last yeah, that maybe we should go to Cape Town. I was like, I feel like here is okay. If we can just stay here, it's, what is it in Cape Town that you think it's it's interesting? Because I feel like I want to I I want to get the the climate, the the mood of Lesotho, so that it can I can also find it um a good experience when i go out out outside here so to in few years to come but as for now i don't think i don't think so oh we understand oh okay and i i think our listeners might be very interested in an in-depth explanation um about what you studied in your undergraduate degree and what you studied in your postgraduate degree and Lesotho being what it is what you think a course like that can actually have to bring to to us and uh, economic climate being what it is what you think um, more people getting into that course of study can come back and actually offer um, to to pull Lesotho up so um, do you mind going further into that and um, so our listeners can understand the length and breadth of of your scope of study Okay, um, before I could, I can answer that question about my education back to here in Lesotho and the contribution of it to the economy. I would also want to note to the listeners that in as much as uh, one would find it harder to study abroad when you come back, it's a nice experience, it's an experience, a lifetime experience, something that you cannot explain it to someone. I'm trying, I can explain it now, I can explain it 10 times, but always one wants to, would want to feel it for themselves so that you can be able to have a certain experience which would change your life for, for better. It was a nice 
long 2019-2020 in, in Ireland, and also a long one in 2009-2015. So uh, I did, in 2009, when I left here to Cuba, I went to study hydraulic engineering, and it's a five-year course, but the first year it's uh, based on the um, language, which is speaking Spanish only. And then I, um, luckily, I or fortunately, I finished uh, within the five years, and then I came back home um, with the hope that I'll come back to Lesotho Highlands Water Project to be a practicing engineer because um, that was my side of um, per uh, perception in that moment. But then um, I got an offer at Lewotodi Polytechnic now where I'm studying, where I'm working as a lecturer in to water and environmental engineering. I'm giving and imparting the same, the, almost the same subject that I did at school. It's a nice journey and um, it's a good um, program to be in because once you see uh, technicians graduating and going to the field and uh, exercising what you have um, imparted for the three years, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that one would say is a show that you put on. It's something that I would applaud myself on. You see people changing, you see them coming at the young age with um, courage and enthusiasm to, to, to learn more. And then when they uh, graduate at the end of their third year diploma, they are also confused of what they want to do in their career, but then you know that this is what we are trying to, to, to build as a lecturer, to build someone who can think for themselves, to build someone who can uh, see Lesotho as a resource, not a place where one stays. And then I went back to school to improve my studies in Ireland, which is master's in, uh, in master's in engineering, MSc in engineering, but then I was uh, focusing on sustainable energy. So once I did my master's in sustainable energy, it was quite an, it's quite an interesting um, field. Although hydraulic engineering is about water, one would say, how do you go into sustainable energy? So water and any source is a, like any other sources it's a source of energy whereby you can take it as a source you can also take it as, take it as a resource in improving the livelihoods of other people and mm -hmm. in it it's, uh, it goes to be a sustainable energy uh, production of um, clean energy now that we are talking about uh, climate change and being um, smart and using smart uh, clean energy so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good program that I did because it talks about also the um, solar energy, the wind energy, which we are also supposedly in future. We are hoping that we'll be having our own wind, uh, wind farms, wind turbines in the highlands of Lesotho and generating our own clean energy, which is even cheaper 
uh, than the one that we are using. And right now we are heading on to, we are, most of the people are now engaging in solar energy, which is changing their livelihood uh, economically and socially because uh, they are saving money instead of uh, trying to, um, to use uh, the, 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 the LEC or the, the, the electricity from fossil fuels, the one from ESCOM or maybe the one from the social is still clean, but uh, solar energy is the one which is most uh, common and okay. affordable. It's, 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 it's affordable one. It's an affordable uh, source of uh, source. So I think this, what I did for the past seven years, or yes, yeah, seven years, it will benefit Lesotho. It is already benefiting Lesotho. We only want people to be engaged in uh, trying to see Lesotho as a resource so that they can be able to benefit it more than what we are already uh, harvesting. Okay. It's actually a very, a very full explanation. And I think um, our listeners... Um, will learn a lot from that explanation and perhaps um, get inspired maybe to tell their peers or their children or um, the, to explore the field of hydraulics engineering and sustainability. And thank you so much for imparting all of that knowledge and sharing your life experiences. I feel like you, you really um, brought into perspective for a lot of things that the loneliness that comes with traveling, the, the learning that comes with traveling and, and how life just transforms. And I absolutely do with you when you do say that, um, despite the challenges that we're talking about, um, the traveling abroad opens one opens up one's life to so many things that are mm -hmm. happening. And, and it actually really does enable you to function better in the era of globalization, to know exactly how the other half lives and how it's been done. And I find that your experience, especially in a in a young democracy and in a fully grown democracy, how it all comes full circle for you to say, you understand so many perceptions about how the world actually really, really is. I thank you so, so much for taking time um, to come and join us and to come and impart your knowledge and your experiences to our listeners. Um, I would like to ask if there's anything that you would like to say um, to our listeners and um, yeah. uh, there is nothing much that I can say but to the listeners I would say they, to a young person even if you are old there is, you, you are not young you are not old I would say when I went to Cuba people were saying that I was old enough and I found myself to be young when I look at back but grab any opportunity that uh, comes your way, you find so much to learn to, from it, so much to indulge in it, and life is uh, it's all about experiencing things. Don't even think about what will happen to me five years or ten, ten years to come. Who knew that when we went to Ireland there would be COVID? We all thought we'll be traveling across Europe, but then it was another um experience which uh, everyone is expecting us to say it was we experienced something that it was new COVID everyone didn't know about 
lockdown and then we just experienced it. We are the first people and learning. So it's, it's, everything is it's nice to experience at a first instance. So just go with your instincts and in as far as your future is, is concerned. You can also get married abroad or kind of like me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a huge variety of things to, to explore. Mm. Um, can you, you can you say that um, in Spanish? Um, the last words, there's the opportunities to explore. Can you say that for our listeners in Spanish? <laughs> Uh, a la gente que me está escuchando hoy, gracias por escucharme y coge cualquier uh, oportunidad y um, y, 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 y la vida es muy muy saboroso. Tú puedes hacer cualquier cosa que tú quieras hacer y adelante. Uh, thank you. Ah, for me, I'm sure you would definitely have to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> for me to actually get that. And once again, thank you very much. And to our listeners, if you are not joining us for the first time, um, um, I'm glad you listened in again. And if it's your first time, please and subscribe so you can uh, hear more of our podcast and remember this is the first season that we're doing with the world of words we're going to be um, exploring um, different experiences of uh, people who've been abroad who've studied in different parts of the world and um, it's all under the series called um, season one called a different kind of home so thank you again Mabotla, for joining us and thank you for the listeners for tuning in next time thank you and Bye-bye. Thank you, Tato, and thanks to the world of, world of world. Thank you. Thank you.